as we hit this before spring training lull, if you will, this is Thursday's episode, and this was before the Cole Keefe announcement that came out on Sunday. Originally, I had it planned to drop it either Saturday night or Sunday, but with the Keefe news, I'm adding the 20-minute emergency pod that I did by myself on Sunday. So that will be at the end of the show, and uh, we'll be live this week on Tuesday instead of Thursday. It's a lot easier for the three of us to get together on Tuesday this week versus Thursday. We're going to get Chris and Jupiter to talk about what they thought about the Cole Keith deal. And if there's any other news that happens, we'll be there to cover it as well. A couple things I want to plug. First and foremost, please go check out our GoFundMe. The link is in the description. Every bit helps. We're just about three weeks away from spring training. So any little bit of money that you can give us will be greatly appreciated. Again, we do this for love, but a little money goes a long way for travel costs, you name it. Also, check out the Motor City Bengals Top 30 Prospect List. I'll be contributing on that. There is also a new article will be posted on Tiger Mountain Report sometime on Monday talking about the Keith deal and dig a little deeper with that. Otherwise, enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week, everybody. Troops Podcast here at TigersMLReport.com. I'm Rahul Castillo. Looks like it might be solo for a little while. Chris is out sick, and we're just waiting on Uper, but Chris got some sort of bug, so hope he, he feels better. Talked to him a little earlier. He was going to try to rudge through it, but unfortunately was not uh, could not go to the task, so it's okay. So hopefully Chris feels better. Plenty, it's going to be a light show this evening as the Tigers still haven't really – we're about – about two weeks out. I mean, I, th- I think they're probably loading up the truck right now down to head down to Lakeland to get everything going. Saw the truck being loaded for Chicago. And so the White Sox had a tweet about that earlier. A couple, uh, another move happened today. David Robertson signed with the Rangers one year. And we'll get to all the base Hall of Fame stuff to get to and a little bit of prospect discussion. So, and there's a couple questions online. So, but before we get to all that, it's playoff time, and the road through in the road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. So ask the Lions and Chiefs about that. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance prop bets, we got you covered. Head to Bet Online today and stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. Yes, and we'll also discuss the, the Drew Anderson signings. Yes, and the Tigers open up training against the Yankees. And so as uh, Uper gets set up here in a second, Uper will be joining me here. Just give me a thumbs up right when you're ready, Uper. I uh, see you behind Sage. He's getting or he's good. Okay. Uper, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. My internet just croaked on me, so I'm going old school on the phone. Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> no, I, I figure it was something of a technical nature, but uh, – no, just talking. Plenty, yeah, the Tigers signed Drew Anderson. I'm trying to pull up some video for, mm-hmm. for our fans to watch this uh, pitcher who pitched in Japan. I believe, I believe it was in Japan last year. So, um, but it what, is a. Well, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead, Uper. It looked like you know just from what you read and everything people were saying about him that he's another one who's on that worthwhile list of taking a shot at, right? Uh, he has some. He has some ability. 
Uh, you're only looking to get somebody who can give you 50, 60 innings if everything went perfect. Uh, why not? Yeah, and look, and there was the Tigers are also this. We're scouting a couple of Cuban players down in Miami this week too, as they're continuing to look for essentially pitching. I mean, that's all there is to it. You can never have enough pitching. Right. It is a time and true philosophy, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And so there is a I think the Tigers too, if you're looking at their starting pitching starting pitching situation at the big league level, I think it really kind of you're going to need all because nothing's nothing's guaranteed, you know, nothing is guaranteed of what's going to happen up there. And so I think having guys like Drew Anderson, or even if they go ahead and, and sign somebody else too, um, you can have, you can never have enough pitching. And so I did find some Drew Anderson videos. So let's, uh, let's uh, get some show what he's all about here. And so yeah, I pitched for in Hiroshima, I believe it's Hiroshima. The carp. The carp. I love that. By the way, that's a that's a. I have a Tokyo Giants cap, or uh, I think they're something else now. But um, Yomi Yuri or something. Yeah, Yomi Yuri. Yep, correct. So now I have to. I've always wanted a carp hat. I know somebody. I know a good friend of mine has a carp hat. But <laughs> nice. yeah, he he's got a nice, you know, smooth like a little over the top delivery, a little bit. He looks tall. High. Yeah. See here, looks like a. At least point like a high mid three quarters looks like, but yeah. Though, while we have that plan, just yeah, the the Hall of Fame vote happened too, and I, I see, you know, I think Uper, we can do this every single year that the travesties that took place, <laughs> depending on how your how your point of view of, of that mm-hmm. is. But the usual kind of shenanigans, I, I t- d- depends on what you think if it's shenanigans or not. So. A lot of times um, it just comes down to if you're a, a big haul or a small haul guy, really. Yeah. And there was, I mean, in terms of what, in terms of what the Hall of Fame vote came down to essentially is the, the, there's two schools of thought when it comes to this. It's the people that have been accused of steroids to some extent and the people that haven't. It's just, that's pretty much about it. So Gary, yeah. Fe- Gary Sheffield did not make the Hall of Fame. It was Adrian Beltre, Todd Helton, and Joe Maurer. Yep. Uh, Joe Maurer, kind of a lock, I, I would think. But, uh, yeah, so Sheffield will is now with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens is never going to make the Hall of Fame. And despite, I mean, throughout the n- numerous man- examples in history of people who are not exactly the greatest characters are – you know, in terms of baseball, there's, I mean, you can go back to, let's see here. I mean, I'm trying to think of um, Cap, the, the former, I mean, you heard stories about Ty Cobb. There's uh, Nap uh, LaJoyce, LaJoy, yep. who was a known racist. <laughs> Some of these guys are not like, they're not good people. And so, I don't know. Uh, I, I go on and on and on about that. But uh, Beltre is well-deserved too. I mean, Beltre is... Yeah. He, you know, but Todd Helton, I, would, I don't know about that. I mean, Todd Helton, what do you think about Todd Helton? You... Well, certainly, if you strip away where he played, and that's in a lot of respects, that's not a player's fault where he played, right? I mean, uh, he got drafted there. He ended up playing there. He liked it there. He stayed there. Uh, it was a great place to hit. 
Uh, he ended up hitting what three fifteen for his career. Yeah. Uh, let's face it. If you got a boost from the numbers in Colorado, I still think he had the longevity and still would have put up decent numbers everywhere else. He would have been close. So I don't have a big problem. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, they have a team in Colorado, so people in Colorado have to be considered if they have good careers. (laughs) You know, There's no taking that away from them. Um, I was really surprised. I saw a couple of people call Beltre, you know, that little backhanded compliment that he was a compiler, that he played a long time and he compiled all those numbers. Well, okay, that's fine with me too. I I think he was a Hall of Famer. Five-time gold glover at third base. I mean, you know, those don't grow on trees. I'm not saying he was George Brett, right, or Mike Schmidt, but he's pretty damn good, and I, I think he deserved it. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, if you want to put compiler, then what would Don Sutton would come to mind too? I mean, Don Sutton yeah. never missed a starter's career, and imagine <laughs> if he had any. No, if he, oh, yeah. that was a nice pitch there. If he, if he would have missed any time, any significant period of time, he would not be made press, not be in the Hall of Fame. Rest in peace, by the way. I mean, he did win 300 games. And that's, he hit one of the benchmarks. So, but, you know, know, for every year now, for the rest of time, you know, you're people who are supporters of a particular player who gets in, all they have to say, (laughs) and it'll be satisfying to me is he, uh, he, he crossed the Harold Baines threshold, right? (laughs) (laughs) He was more qualified than Harold Baines. So, okay, he's it. Well, and I like Todd's idea here. He says in the chat, I always thought that it should have a controversy corner at the Hall of Fame. Could be a sneaky way to recognize your steroids slash Pete Rose players. That's a good point, Todd. I mean, it's, yeah. it is a way to do that and it addresses the elephants in the room that are their stats. Because if we're baseball is purely driven, a lot, of, the majority of the time it's driven by stats. Yeah. So we're going to choose to ignore it when it comes to, I mean, gamble, look at gambling base. I mean, now it looks antiquated now with all the what's going on with betting online and all that now and the sophisticated levels and everything. So, um, oh, I like Stando's, Stando's, uh, Stan's stat right here. Helton batted 270 with two strikes. That's impressive. That is. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Denver, by the way, I am wearing a Denver Bears cap, but this is before his time. This is around the time they were a AAA affiliate of the Tigers. But yeah, either way, it's going to come with that controversy. It comes with that discussion a little bit. But I don't, as I've kind of become like Chris about it, like kind of like, eh, I'm not going to, it is what it is kind of thing. But I mean, the one thing about Beltre is pretty interesting too. He didn't make, he didn't make the all star team until his age, after the age of 31. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, he, he, He's not the only person, I mean, I, you have to go through the Hall of Famers, but he's not the only person who had a late, a second half surge in their career. I mean, look at Nelson Cruz and, and a few others. I mean, Nelson Cruz wasn't any good till he was 28. I'm not saying he's going to be in the Hall yeah. of Fame, but he's had a nice, long, productive career. So that's fine with Beltre. I mean, but he, didn't Beltre start when he was 19? Didn't he get called up early? I believe he did. But, yeah. Double check that, but... What interesting is, you know, the other fun fact about Todd Helton, he was a quarterback before Peyton Manning, I believe, at Tennessee. Yep. 
So there's a fun fact for well, anybody that not know that. And then another fun fact is Joe Maurer um, was recruited. He was recruited to play quarterback at Florida State uh, out of high school. Yeah, and Bobby Bowden. Yeah, right? he, he turned that down. Uh, he went to one of the, uh, I forget the name of it now, but a, a big Catholic school powerhouse athletic program in St. Paul, Minnesota. I was living in the St. in the uh, St. Paul suburbs then. And he was, he was a, he was a legend already because his family was a big sports, local sports legend family. Um, and he was on the nightly news all the time, uh, setting records at the high school level, but both in football and by baseball. Yeah, I remember when he signed. It was on Sports Illustrated, which we're gonna we're gonna talk about Sports Illustrated and the demise of Sports Illustrated here tonight too, as well. Um, <laughs> Stan with the this Beltre's ascendance after thirty one means there's a hope for Javi. <laughs> <laughs> there you <laughs> go. One. But I remember he was on a Sports Illustrated cover, Sports Illustrated cover to I believe right out of high school. I think right around the time he got drafted, I can't exactly remember, but. I, I remember the, the big deal signing him or when the twins drafted him. And then yeah. I don't like to, it's just one of the, one of those guys that remind me of like every annoying player against the Tigers. He was just annoying. Just like <laughs> outright. I just, Oh God. I, him and Justin Morneau, the year that they went off, I just oh, so I was over it. What happened in, in Minneapolis around that time amongst twins fans publicly they were very split on that draft pick i mean there were people who wanted the hometown hero mauer uh but there were a lot of people who were equally pissed that they were going with the hometown guy over mark Pryor. i mean mark Pryor was a big deal out of usc right he had um and then he got out to that fast start for the cubs and mauer was still in the minors for that first year uh there was a lot of uh bitching and moaning about that in Minneapolis until Maurer got up there and became a ball player. I did not know that. And because I know that our prior had to quote perfect pitching mechanics. Yeah. That was the, the big thing about Mark Pryor. It was that his mechanics were flawless, but again, it's, that was proven incorrect. So, (laughs) but uh, yeah, this time of year, of course, there's still quite a bit of free agency, there's a lot of players still left on the board. A lot of the second tier guys, Ryan Hoskins signed with the Brewers. So that was an interesting deal that happened this week. The Dodgers reached the one-year deal with James Paxton. So that's going to be probably, I think the contract's performance driven. And then the biggest news out of Detroit though, is that Jackson Job got invited to spring training camp. So it is Chris and I, like I said, we talked about his start in Erie. And how he was able to manage that flawlessly. And so he had a good Arizona Fall League. I well, again, this this should become the no surprise of no one Uper. No, I, I mean I didn't find it that stunning that they want to see him in the big league camp for at least, you know, whatever, 10, 12 innings or whatever it ends up being. You know, um, I think that's great. He'll face a lot of great hitters, perhaps. Uh you never know with a spring training lineup, but uh, it'll be fun to watch and see how that progresses. But let's face it, go back to Rick Porcello. You know, how quick did he get to the majors? Pitchers get hurt. And if he's throwing well enough and he has the stuff some point this summer, if they're anywhere within hailing distance of contention, they ought to probably get him going. 
that's the thing that you would think if he's going to be it's how the Tigers view him as potentially a six or seven starter down the line. I mean, this year, mm-hmm. as quickly as this year, and he might not. Yeah, he, it's going to, and Delhi Ninja said it best. It's going to be brutal weight if Job looks impressive. Yeah. But also at the same time, this guy's coming off injury. You want to make sure that you nurse him, not necessarily nurse him to the point of, or even, for example, like Stan mentioned earlier, if Myers could see, you could see start see this season having Myers start in Toledo. I said that a couple of weeks ago. I thought that Myers might may start the year to get some innings going, what have you. It might be a chance that Joe Bout pitches Myers. Who knows? I mean, it, it is that's the one variable that we do not know at this point. And, and you got to remember too, spring training numbers don't mean jack. We know that. Yep. It's really the the quality. I mean, if he's doing this against first tier players, then you can put that in consideration. But again, a lot of times it takes a while for some of these bats to get going anyway. Right. So I don't know, Uper. I, I, that is, that's good. Good to see. And it is a wonderful problem to have. (laughs) Okay. So that is he ascending at the proper pace. Uh, As long as he keeps moving forward and keeps looking good. It's a great problem to have. If you're trying to judge, when do you bring him to the big leagues? That that's the best problem to have in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. And I mean, he's been on prospect rankings. Baseball America released their top thirty type of prospects. He's it's him and Clark essentially up there along with Keith. So there's no and real. People, go ahead. You know, people need to also temper things. He's a young kid. He could struggle. I mean, that's very possible. You know, there could be a learning curve. We don't know. No one can really say they know. We know he has great stuff. But, you know, great stuff doesn't always produce outs right away until he starts learning how to harness it and use it. So we'll see. It's it's just a very exciting development to see him very highly ranked on everybody's list, coming to spring training on the big league roster with a big league invite, excuse me. It's all great. It's all moving in the right direction. Stuff that, you know... Uh, last year when we were hearing about the back problems and everybody was uh, grinding their teeth over Marcelo Meyer, uh, we did not foresee us being in this nice a position of watching him <laughs> now. Yeah. Well, speaking of the dazzling position to be in, you look at the Baltimore Orioles, and it was an interesting comment that Mike Alice, uh, Elias said during their Birdland caravan, which the Tigers didn't do a caravan at all this year, which... Not even do anything in the like. By the way, it was funny when they're showing the four field shots. There, you notice the scoreboard's gone. They're they still, they're replacing the scoreboard. Well, yeah. Scoreboard, yeah, it was gone. So, but what there was something that I saw on ESPN. It was posted. It was posted earlier, and he said what everybody's thinking really, which was, "quote It's been a kind of a later, slower off season than normal." We are working pretty furiously, but since we spoke at winter meetings, just haven't lined up on particular opportunities. But there's still time for that, end quote. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's right. I mean, spring training is still about three weeks out, technically. But it is interesting to see Baltimore, who, I mean, this is a team that everybody, Tampa did something. Boston did something. The Yankees have done something. And this is a 100-win team, and 
Baltimore, we've we talked about Baltimore quite a bit in this offseason because I again I think they line up well. They also line Dylan C's lines up well for him too, and, and the White sure. Sox haven't exactly pulled the trigger on that either. But I it's you know, or it, they have this blood of infielders we've talked about, but even Blake Snell, Blake Snell's still out there. And I'm, I'm you know what, you I don't know about you, but have you seen it? I haven't seen any rumors or anything pertaining to him whatsoever. Not really. I think originally there wasn't there some Seattle traction, but yeah. now people think they don't have any money because of the TV, right? Um, so yeah, I haven't heard much on Snell either. Uh, hard to argue with Cy Young awards, right? But I just get the feeling I always get the sense nobody trusts him. Nobody trusts him to go more than four or five innings in a big game and walk four guys. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that either. And especially with all these teams that quote unquote need pitching, then I I don't think they need pitching that bad then. I mean it's it is what it is. Here's what I wonder. On a what if. <laughs> we talked about the what ifs earlier this week, right? Um Mike Gillich, if he saw a guy like that or some of these other free agents lingering, at what point would he say, Hey, why aren't we getting in on that versus what we're doing now, which is kind of holding still. Yeah. No. And mm-hmm. Delhi manager please beast points out that the, uh, the Rays did not trust Snell in the world series. So that's true. I mean, was yeah. it five? It was, it, I think five innings. Yeah. And he was pitching Tops. well and they yanked him. No, I still think that, I still think the tight in terms of what Baltimore is going to be doing. I'm I'm interested to see if it's just going to be whoever blinks first kind of thing, and it just seems like most teams are staying content with being same paths to a certain extent. But I don't know. I just thought it was it was just one of those things where he was just same cliche kind of thing and nothing of interest. But right. Baltimore, out of all the teams that stand out in the American League that haven't done anything, Baltimore to me is the one that just sticks out like a sore thumb because if you're going to, if you're going to make excuses, not spending money, then that's your bullshit excuse. And that's fine. That's, I almost expect that because that's, what's going to happen. But well, I know how, usually, you know, how many people here, uh, Detroit observers were on the, and you know, like we, we talk about Lynn Henning a lot and that's fine. We're on the board with, Hey, got to get these youngsters in place first and then add veterans around them, right? That's kind of what we heard from a lot of people. I was on the other side of that fence, and that's fine. I don't want to litigate that again. But obviously, Baltimore, they're playing it cool right now, but they have a lot of young talent in place. I mean, they're ready. I mean, that would be the team where they say, yeah, let's add a couple of uh, reliable veterans around them, uh, leadership guys, production guys, uh, you know, to kind of limit where our floor is, and we're, we're ready to go with these youngsters. And they haven't quite done it yet. Yeah, I mean, Paul Paul isn't too far off from that. I, I kind of I really believe that right there, which is, he says in the comments, Baltimore wants a deep miners because they won't ever sign their present stars. We'll trade them at one and a half years left. Possible. It's No, I, I think it's feasible. I mean, the yeah. way it, it's judging right now, I mean, but then – you still have to. We're going. They have to make a point to trade guys like Ortiz or some. That's, you just can't let them sit there in the minors forever. I mean, it's it's absurd. But yeah, it, it is more than likely that. And 
I also agree with Todd too, which is owner's ownership will turn a hundred win team into a shit pile. <laughs> Ain't too far off from that either. This is it's like it kind of reminds me of the White Sox in a way. The White Sox do really well. They have this all this talent, they get there, and then they tear it back down and start all over again. I mean, I it, same can be said for a lot of teams, but it just seems very a, if, a lot of times with Chicago and Baltimore. If some of the guys they have in place don't tank, and if Jackson Holiday is a star. They might have amassed enough talent where they'll win despite the ownership. <laughs> they're they're close. I mean, they have some real legit guys. I mean, guy when you say guys, the guys, not just guys. You know? Yeah. No, they got they got some. What was it? They got some dudes. Yes. They got guys at ball. So it, it's just interesting to see where, as far as the teams left in the American League, they haven't really done. It's kind of, I don't know. The, oh, forgot to mention too, Houston signed Josh Hader. That gives them yeah. another opportunity to shorten up. And that was a good move by Houston because I felt, I felt like that was going to be something that their starters are already pretty solid. But you give that, now you shorten up the game with that, with Hader back there. That, that's a difference maker right there, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, they're the big market team. They can afford something like all teams can afford most contracts, but especially they can afford that deal. They have the luxury of having enough talent in place where they can add a closer and it makes sense for what they want to achieve. Uh, it's interesting. You know, I, I, I worry about that guy where he says, I won't pitch more than one inning. I mean, he's very kind of adamant about it, militaristic about it. <laughs> so um, I don't know how much longer he has to go, but he's, he's certainly, if they get three years out of that five-year deal where he's still a, a smoking gun out of that bullpen, that's a pretty good deal for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's adamant about it because he knows probably perhaps his physical limit. And yeah. as far as when the win, Todd wants to know when the window will close for the Astros, I, I think you're looking at probably the way their farm system is right now. It's kind of not as strong as it used to be, but I still think Houston's competitive for the next at least the next year or two. I still oh, yeah. think they're going to be. I mean, if you look at the AL West as a whole, Vegas is not doing anything for a while. Vegas is a joke. The talking about the A's. The Mariners take one step forward, one step back, and their future remains uncloudy. But the Mariners still have a pretty good. They have a good farm system. Mm-hmm. And Texas, defending World Series champs, they are they're deep. They're, they're built pretty to win, and I think it's going to be between those two the whole time. So, mm-hmm. but. And then the Angels, <laughs> I, I don't know, like they they have some really good players, but they don't have enough pitching as of yet. And Paul, look, uh, Paul says we should get Ortiz and give them an equal young player. Look, I've been on that Joey Ortiz train since middle of last year. I, I watched a lot of Norfolk versus Toledo, and that was the one play that always stood out to me. And the tie, I mean, Norfolk tied one Triple A championship without too much of a hassle. So. But I didn't forget to mention, though, Baltimore is looking. They are scouting a pitcher, Michael Lorenz. So they might do the one-year special thing there with that. So, Well, I mean, we've seen that. That can be effective. I mean, if you pick, but you got to pick the right guy. You know, you can all, you might end up with Mike Pelfrey. <laughs> so, um, but Lorenzen, last year, he was pitching well enough in the first half for Detroit where he, he could have helped a lot of teams. That's correct. And Bergman's 
contract, I believe, ends. Let me double check this, but I believe it ends. Bregman after this year, yeah, Bregman. Pardon me, Bregman, yeah, Bregman's contract. Is this the last year of it? It is the. Let's see here. Yeah, this is his last year of his that five-year, one hundred million dollar deal he signed. And he's a Boros guy, right? I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So he's probably hitting. The, he'll hit the market most likely. Yeah. Next year, Bregman this year. They still got Alvarez and Tucker for a couple more years. Uh, I doubt Altuve will go totally in the tank. He probably has at least some baseball left in him, right? How old is he now? Right. But that's the team there. They're fine. I I think they're uh, the center fielder. Kind of nice surprise for them. Chaz, what's his face? I can't remember his last name at the moment. But Chaz McCormick. McCormick. Yeah. So you know. I don't think they have a bigger. They don't have a lot to worry about right now. And they, I mean, you look at the rotation and how they developed them from really five hundred thousand dollars arms. I mean, this was a, yeah. a guys who, they started the trend as Chris and I have talked about this before, of signing older Latin pitchers that teams gave up gave up on, mm-hmm. and turn them into household names a little bit. So, but yeah. Where you have to wonder is where that next uh, big wave of Houston Town is going to be. And a guy like, uh, you, you know, you look at a, a guy like Luis Baez, who's way down. I mean, this is a guy who they signed a couple of years ago, and he's one of the biggest, larging or among their prospects, one of the largest signing bonuses that Houston's ever done. But he's still a couple of years away. You're not sure what about that. You have, but beyond that, I mean, it's Spencer Alaregetti, I believe it is. And he's down in triple A, but he's, I mean, you know, who knows what he, if he's going to be effective or not, but either way, Houston finds to get it, to get it done. So we'll see what happens. Um, another, a couple of, in terms of uh, MLB stuff that's going on, as far as rumors go, uh, just kind of looking around the league a little bit. The angels have interest in Joey Votto. So, mm-hmm. so the, for potential D, just full-time DH, course because of Otani and the Dodgers or I forgot the Diamondbacks signed uh, Jock Peterson who's going to be the team's DH that's gonna the, the Diamondbacks also to have had a really good offseason I, I give them we're gonna probably hopefully by the beginning of February we'll do our offseason grades for teams and sure over that but just like the Brewers as Stan mentioned in the chat Arizona's had a pretty good offseason the Mets there's all teams apparently that are interested in Franklin Herman who if you may not know or may not remember who he uh, ended his season last year with uh, a clubhouse issue and he was treated for alcohol abuse. And then prior to that, he had a domestic violence issue. So it is what it is. It is what it is. A lot of DH is left on the market, right? I mean, JD Jorge Soler. Um, I'm still, I'm still surprised. I mean, Reese Hoskins off to the market now. That might loosen things up a little. We'll see. And Peterson. But, boy, I don't care what anybody – you know, I I mean, you know, we're all JD fans at one level or another here. But I I just really have faith in the guy to age well. He showed it again last year. I know Detroit's a little logjammed with some outfielders and they need the DH spot. But, man, is JD Martinez a better hitter than – Anybody the Tigers will stick at DH this year? You know, there's been somebody who asked about where JD is rumored to go. 
or Todd did. And the Tigers have been suggested, but there's no clear cut from I always every when it comes to JD, I haven't I've heard anywhere from the Dodgers to mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. So I mean people let's look at I mean, let's just look at the really quick what's left out there in free agency. And then this is where this is the struggles of doing a podcast all year round come in right now, because this is, I don't want, I don't like speculating on, on, on stuff like this, but just looking at just when we look at and see and, and kind of what's left out there. So yeah, Corey Bellinger, you have Chapman, which was even suggested the Tigers do a one-year deal with, and he's on there. I, I don't know what's going on with Chapman. I, I thought by now, at least one team would have taken yeah. a flyer on him, but Maybe it's maybe it's another thing like I mentioned earlier. Who's who's gonna blink first? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Tigers don't have anybody else better than that. So, so you have okay. So you in terms of actual like uh, the Vols out there, I'm surprised. I'm surprised too. The Vol hasn't got a flyer uh, taking a flyer. Somebody's been taking a flyer on him. Well, no matter what his weaknesses are, he he, he drives in runs. Now we all have a different. Uh, opinion is what RBI means uh, as the stat, right? But facts are, he knocks runs in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna. As far as like J- Carpenter does present, it's Carpenter is a better outfielder. He's a better outfielder than people give him credit for. Now, even admittedly, he's come a long way since I saw him in Erie. Mm-hmm. He can hold his own out there in right field, but. There is that school of thought. There's okay. We'll let the young guys play, or as Old BK mentioned here, Tigers were 28th in OPS and runs scored in 2023. They have there's no positional log jams. He's right, and and I still think the Tigers need a bat. I'm I'm convinced of that. It's just a question of what kind of bat they're going to look for because right. either you have to think about this right from the standpoint of. Like uh, Chris posted the stat about Chapman's barrel rate. I think it was like your hard hit. It's kind of the, his barrels have declined a little bit. So Matt Chapman's not you're going to be your easy fix. I mean, he's a temporary fix there at third base. Sure, depending what the Tigers want to do long term. But I, I, I really at this point look. If you want the Tigers to be the overwhelming favorites to win the Central Division, sign a bet. It's as simple yeah. as that, and and not. It, 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 I know we're I know we're on the cusp of some prospects breaking through, but until they actually break here, you know, you're gonna sit there and say, well, if they sign a bat, those prospects can't play. <laughs> not necessarily the case. You can't say that because there's no guarantees of anything. I mean, I I look as much as I'm the high man on Cole Keith no guarantees and no standards not it's just not just one bat they need several bats but it just depends on how they're going to go about it i still think they need a power bat and a guy who can hit for average right on the top of the order that's going to be an on-base on-base percentage machine and really i mean and really force the issue where teams have to consider pitching down or the pitch around them and and then a, a hitter another hitter can seize the opportunity but you put JD Martinez batting in front of Spencer Torkelson or vice versa. How does that lengthen your lineup? What, what does that look like, you know, on a given night? That looks pretty good. 
and again, JD would get everybody excited. How 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 many tickets do they sell if JD Martinez comes back? Not insignificant. No, Todd is correct. Todd said that earlier in the chat. He would put asses in the seat. He absolutely would. Oh, okay. Well, because I'm on my phone tonight, I can't see the chat. So apologies yeah. to Todd, but I agree, Todd. <laughs> yeah, he would. And overall, I mean, if, getting, getting back to it too, uh, some of the names are left. Eddie Rosario too. I'm that was, Again, that's another one I'm kind of surprised about too. Yeah, not a bad there. player. Absolutely. Not bad. He's a, he's a left-hand bat. Had hit 21 home runs last year. But the, in terms of war wise, not, you know, 1.4. Um, I, I, I know I've said it ad nauseum at points this winter, but geez, Jorge Soler, 36 bombs and a 341 on base percentage. Hello. That's two things the Tigers could really use right there. I mean, I'm not saying he automatically renews those numbers, but if he's even in, in the ballpark, let's say he hit 30 homers and a 335 on base. That'd be pretty nice. I I made my case on MCB about it because yeah. it it makes a lot of sense. But I, I, I among the names that are left, that's probably him, JD Martinez, the ones that stand out. Yep. I would be surprised if maybe the Tigers take a flyer on Tommy Pham because it just seems like something the Tigers would do. <laughs> so, but you know, in terms of oh, Stan, his numbers at Comerica Park, he had one really good year at Comerica Park. I think it was like twenty. 19, 2020, 2020, I can't remember what it was, but he tore the Solaire I'm referring to, yeah. had put up some really good numbers. So, but yeah, again, all I'm going to sit here and, and do is wait and see. And, and hopefully there's some sort of activity here that the, the finish the season. So, but or the off season rather, but there is a, yeah, fam doesn't really does fit the culture too. That's another good point, but I just, for a reason, I just think of some obscure player with that. So not obscure, but some some name player like that. But hanging out here is helping my line anxiety attacks. So the Lions. So this is the first. Okay, so we're not going to talk too much football, but this is going to be a relatively short show. But I would be. I can't obviously point out, or there's a big line in the room. That's uh, okay. That's that's a bad pun. Uh, bad. That, yeah, that was a bad pun. Yeah, <laughs> humorous, quite humorous. Yeah, droll, very droll. Yes, whimsical. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm giving myself a. The Lions are out of the cage, man. They're going to San Francisco. The Lions are going to San Francisco, where the last time they won was. I believe 1957 when they last won the championship on their way really? to winning the championship. Oh, I did not know that. Prior to that, they lost 24 to 23 on December 30th, 31st, 1983. Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murray missed a field goal. Gary Danielson, by the way, fun fact, threw five interceptions in that game, and the Lions still <laughs> were able to. Monty be, Clark. Yeah, Monty Clark. Yeah, with the prayer thing. Yeah, with that's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lions and it, you know what's interesting too. That's right in the rise of the 49ers too. That's like it was right before the 49ers became the 49ers, but it was just right early in that. And yeah, yeah that was a you know. Well, I remember very vividly that day. My dad is a 
lifelong Lions fan. Uh, I was I'm a Packer fan. We didn't really fight about it, but he was he loved the Lions. He could not watch that field goal. My dad left the room, and he could tell by how quiet I was <laughs> that he missed. And I remember to this day, I remember my dad yelling, "I knew he missed it!" <laughs> and uh, it was very sad. But uh, my my dad's other being that I can tell you is my dad saw the 57 Lions play in Green Bay that year. So he was always very, you know, since they never got to the Super Bowl in his lifetime, sadly, uh, his big claim to fame was he got to see that 57 team win a game uh, in Green Bay, which I was always happy for him to see that one. Yeah, this is a game, too, where the Lions outrushed the 49ers 188-103, to yeah. And it was just a five interceptions that really the Lions also control the line <laughs> the time of possession too. I mean, I wasn't I didn't watch the game because obviously I was, I was barely two years old, but I mean I, I look at some of the stat I was looking at some of the stories about that game. Billy Sims, maniac, 20 carries, 114 yards. And you know, knowing full well about his knee injury and you would be out of football, not too much. Yeah. Yeah. That like that, you know, like it's yeah, there's it, it, it sucks. It sucks to know that we're that close. And no, you're right, old BK. They did win the Super Bowl in 81, but I, I, I think I always think of the 49ers as this throughout the decade. Like they they were they, the, the the dynasty came afterwards, yeah. right? They, they yeah. won the 81 Super Bowl, and that was you know, they they even though it was only a five-point game, they they were ahead twenty to nothing, I think, at halftime. On and that the was Bengals. a silver dome. That was a silver silver dome. Yeah, one, correct. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was after that, and when they won that second, third, fourth Super Bowl, they were, then they were the dynasty. Um, yeah. But yeah, five picks for Danielson. Oof, my goodness. Um, my dad hated Danielson. He always thought he smiled too much when things were going wrong. <laughs> there he is, smiling again. Now, my the the quarterback, the first Lions quarterback that came to remember, I started remembering was Eric Hick, Eric Hipple. That was the first oh, one yes. of memory I could remember. But I mean, Eric Kramer was. You know what? Uh, there was a interview recently where Kramer was in town, and he said some bad things about Wayne Fonts, and rightfully so because he came into camp the next year as a third string quarterback. I never understood <laughs> why there was a, such a quarterback controversy with for Eric Kramer between Rodney P. It was just. Even like drafting, I don't know. A lot of things the Lions did back then. I, I, uh, you know, yeah. Look, I will admit, the last decade this team has beaten the soul out of me. And ah, okay, you know, Hippo was hurt for that game, which is why Danielson started. That makes. I wonder if they would have won a game if Eric Hippo would have started. It's a a big what if scenario there, but. It's... Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, you know, I really think the Lions uh, win this game on Sunday. Uh, as a neutral observer, you know, I watched that Packers. Uh, I watched the entire replay. I had to take my wife out to dinner last Saturday during while the Packers were playing because it was her birthday and we had long-standing reservations. I won't bore you with. But anyway, uh, I watched the entire game. I watched the second half live. Watched the whole game the next day. The Packers dominated them for three and a half quarters. Right on their field, and they should have won the game. I won't bitch and moan about it and cry about it, but they should have won. They didn't. They blew it. Made some mistakes, but I think they showed that Detroit, with that offensive line that the Lions have, they should be able to go in there and score some points. And 
And on the other side of the football, if Debo Samuel is either not playing or is a shell of himself, I, I think that really eliminates one of Detroit's biggest weaknesses, pass defense, right? Uh, not eliminates it, but really lessens the threat. Because Debo Samuel, he's a dude. I mean, he's legit. Um, so I, I think Detroit wins that game. I think Detroit wins the game by 10 points or more. I really do. I don't. Uh, San Francisco did not impress me the other night. Well, maybe they were just rusty from the layoff. I don't know. But the Packers had them, and they let them off the hook. And I don't think Dan Campbell will let him off the hook. So here's the thing. I like to believe what you, you're saying to me, Uber, right now. I really would. <laughs> but I I can't. I can't. I it just I can't because it's not the ye of little faith. The Lions have not played their best football last two games. So it makes me think they're due to play an outstanding game. That being said. I'm not saying it's the same alliance because it's not SOL does not exist with this team anymore, period. Sure. And I've done it's it's Brad Holmes has done a phenomenal job of building this roster top down. Probably the best GM in town. There's no question about it based off what he's done in the draft. It's all looking good and it's all promising, but I am such a cynic <laughs> when it comes to this because I've Uber, this team has destroyed me. I mean, I, I'm for, for, for heaven's sake, I had Joey Harrington jersey at one point. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I look. I, you can you ask yourself, well, Roger, you stuck around during really bad '90s Tigers baseball. You were watching a lot of games then, but why'd you give up on the Lions? The Tigers. Okay, the Tigers may have not made a lot of sense, like Randy Smith doing trades at the time, but at mm-hmm. least because Randy Smith was limited on the fact that the Illages weren't spending back then until they got to Comerica Park. So Randy Smith did everything he humanly could to make that team better. Did it work? Hell no. Did not work. But he also at least added computers to an organization. He made the, he added, he made a team. I'll give him a lot of credit. Smith modernized the team the best that he could based off what he had. He got rid of the rotary phones. Yeah, he got rid of the Rory phones. <laughs> Instead, I'm 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 getting Matt Marty Mordenweg and Matt Millen riding in a motorcycles and this whole stupid BS. Marinelli. Marinelli. No, but no, no, no. But those two in that particular moment where they're riding in a, on their motorcycles, oh. badasses, like no, knock it off. And then you you and then you draft receivers back to back. Like some of the things they did draft night <laughs> made no sense at all. There was no rhyme. No reason behind it. None. Yeah. I mean, I mean, sorry that Charles Rogers passed away and it was, but he was, that was bad news. And and then yeah. you get Mike Williams, Mike Williams, just oh fat overweight dude. Roy Williams does this publicity stint where he doesn't tip drivers. So he goes around acting like a delivery driver. <laughs> Listening to a lot of sports radio, like I did growing up like the Sean Belizeans of the world and, and hearing the, 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 the pain, the pain in their voices talking about this damn team. It just broke me. The well, Tigers started getting better after 2002. The rest, we, the, we know the history with that. At least they won a couple world series, but it was just, when you watch NFL films, music scores in the seventies and eighties, you always see the teams, the same teams, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the, even yeah. the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots were pretty good in the late 70s, early 80s under Steve, Steve Grogan as a quarterback. Sure. 
The Lions didn't have that. There was no NFL music, films music for the Lions. It was more, it was just, <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of times you're hearing, you're hearing stuff like this. I mean, or, I mean you're hearing clown music. I mean, it, that's the way the Lions were. And I leave you with this, folks, because we're going to wrap it up here this evening. As, of course, if something happens, we'll, we'll know, you know, and as far as content, we're going to be starting cranking out content this week, starting this week, or next week, rather. I wrote a piece for the, for the White Sox blog, by the way. I know some, some people were like, I know Denley Ninja B said something, but I'm planning on writing a lot more this year. Um, although, by the way, I did like this take here. Gina Martinez is greater than Joe Maurer. Is that a hot take? Maurer was, Maurer was pretty good at his position. Yeah, oof. I don't know. Maybe, but you have to really dive into those numbers and see. <clears throat> but, you know, Maurer lengthened his career by playing first base. You know, he wasn't a great first baseman. That, if you count that against him, obviously the voters did not. Yeah. Here's the thing, Raj. I'm going to tell you this about the Lions. After watching that game, the Packer offensive line is good but not great. They were able to run the football on the 49ers. Okay. The, the, the Detroit offensive line, I think is, you know, a, a grade better than the, the Packers. Right. I, right. And they, the Packers held uh, Bosa. I mean, a guy named Rashid Walker, who was a seventh round draft pick last year was stoning Bosa all night. You can't tell me that, you know, either Sewell or, um, Who's your other tackle? De- Decker? Yeah. Yeah. I, those guys should be able to hold their own too. And I think Detroit's going to run the football. I really, I, I would think that Gibbs and Montgomery will have a nice day. If Samuel's out, then I feel better about their chances. Mm-hmm. But they have, I mean, Chris McCaffrey is, is a weapon. And San Francisco Kittle. is, yeah. Well, you got Kittle. So, we'll, I mean, but the Lions also signed Zach Hurts four-time pro bowler so i don't know how effective he will be but we'll see what happens i mean the ford both ford and gm have switched the times production times so their employees can watch the game nice. i think and i saw something along the lines i believe the lions game was one of the most viewed games outside of super bowl in the last couple of years so wow. um yeah it's it's, it's insane i'm going to say 31-21 Lions, and it's an embarrassment if Detroit loses. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, he said he saw Chris Illich in the booth at the Bucks game. Oh, there you go. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No scripts. Yeah. I haven't seen him out in public in a long time, by the way. But uh, at any rate, so please consider donating to our Patreon. Or excuse me, our we have two ways to do it. You can donate to our PayPal, like our friend Stan did. Thank you, Stan. And I'll send the links in here in a second. So we have our Patreon, or excuse me, GoFundMe, which goes towards all our costs for the Tiger Miley Report. And just basically here too as well. I It, it doesn't, the money goes everywhere. Thanks to Clay, thanks to Jonathan, who sent in some donations in the last couple of days. So thank you for that. I really, pre- we definitely appreciate that. And so there's, I put the link in there for that. And then if you want to just donate to the Tigers Minor League Report or your, the other link, I'm putting that together right now, you can also go to that as well. There's a store too. So if you want to buy a shirt, um, by the way, I sent out our winner, the 
winner of the Ty Cobb bobblehead out. So nice. And we also I hooked up a guy or hooked up a longtime fan with a shirt because he's been around since the old since 2015. Nice. So I had I had to do it because he made a comment about being around, and so he has one of the old Tigers SRD shirts. So as I mean, it's not worth much, but hey, you know. Um, I saw mine the other day. Did you? Nice. Yeah. I was cleaning out a closet because my wife and I, we put together a new, we got a new king size bed, right? We had a king size bed for the last 23 years. Finally got rid of it. Came in a dozens and dozens of parts. Okay. I was scared. The credit to my wife and I is we made it through that experience of assembling that bed. No threats, no divorce lawyers were contacted, no insults. We, I was very proud of my wife and I. We have that thing, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, Matt, no problem. Thank you for tuning in and appreciate you uh, always contributing and, and tuning in the podcast. So, yeah, hopefully, like, hopefully, it came from my understanding, it shipped out already. It's probably getting faster than the stickers that I ordered. But, uh, at any rate, so those are ways you can help us out. And yes, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, Chris will be on the mend. Is I did talk to him, I talked to him earlier on the phone too his voice did sound pretty worse but it's just in i was making i was making jokes because he coaches kids uh his, his son's flag football team and then it's like, oh, the, un, the unwashed masses and uh we had, a, we had a fun laugh with that so go lions i'm not gonna make any predictions at the lion the lions are due look the lions are due detroit is detroit of all the lot. things it, it it's Youper, I, 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 again, I wish I had your confidence. Oh, I, Lions fans, it's a lock. Take it to the bank. Put some money on it. All right. Well, it, well it, by the way, we're not responsible if you lose money on the game. So <laughs> I'm not giving you betting advice. Or you go, you, you can go on bet online. Our friends over bet online, they'll take care of that for you. But uh, on that note, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Have a good week, everybody. And yes, go Lions. Enjoy the game. Yeah. Uh, Balt, by the way, on the on the AFC side of things, I'm rooting for Baltimore. Baltimore is I, I've, I've always been a big fan of the Ravens. And yeah, so on that note, we'll see you next week. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a quick emergency pod here of the Tiger Mile Report slash Motor City Metrics podcast. I am Rogelio Casillo, writing solo because things happen when when breaking news happens like this you just have to get yourself out there as quickly as possible and i just wrote an article for mercy Bengals. there's gonna be an article as well for tiger money report that i'll be dropping that goes a little bit more in the depth and everything so there'll be some more moves happening along so first and foremost apologies for the mismatch but i was literally about to i was going to step outside and there was a little bit of snow so clear out the snow and all of a sudden I look on Twitter and Cole Keith signs an ex- extension. And what's funny is that thanks to Tiger's turmoil for reminding this, um, by the way, bro at on Twitter, that a year, almost a year to the date, it was actually January 26th of last year. We had a chance to talk to Cole Keith and he felt really confident about his future. He talked about how he didn't really just, he knew he wanted to play baseball right away. He didn't want to wait for college. The school wasn't for him, and he bet on himself, and here we are. And the details are out there. 
Um, he will be essentially under the way Cody Saberhagen described it under team control for nine years. And so I, I put the interview on our Twitter. I'm trying to find it currently right now, but when you're doing a show scrambling by yourself, it's just going to take a minute, but either way, this is exciting news. Chris Brown is currently unavailable at the moment, but I'm sure we'll get his thoughts. He's been under the weather and I'll get probably get him for some additional content for the pod that I haven't put, I haven't put out yet, but it'll be out. Our Thursday show will be out today. So for anybody who's watching us live, what are your thoughts about this? The Tigers do something that they normally do not ever. They have never done this before. They've not signed a prospect to an extension like this. He's been our number one prospect since. I want to say late November, 2022. That's how much faith we've had in him on our list. And this is a this is a, this is a big deal. This is a big deal because the Tigers are showing that they're committed to the future and things are going to operate a little differently under Sky Harris. And so I I'm huge and thank you for chiming in there. This is a huge win. Absolutely. And for the Tiger fans, it's really an exciting day. I mean, obviously the Lions are playing tonight, NFC Championship at 6.30, but if you're a baseball fan, purely for the sake of baseball here, you're looking at what Detroit has been able to do this offseason. Some people have complained it's not enough. But if you look at some of the things on the infrastructure side of things, the new minor league facility they're building, the additions of new, new coaching staff continue to build up, they, they, they did well on their pitching staff to address it. And I think this is another indication of it. I think things are showing a little bit differently for what the Tigers want to do going forward with him. And that's, I mean, they're showing how much faith they have in him by giving him this deal. I mean, he just turned, keep in mind, folks, he just turned 22 in August. And here he is getting his contract extension. Does this mean that he's going to start the year at second base? Sure. You know, but as things are not always guaranteed, but at the same time, you don't you don't make this kind of deal without a statement and a corresponding move. And I'm sure there will be some things that are happening uh, behind the scenes to make a roster spot for him too, because currently he's not on the 40 man roster. And so I would think that it, like somebody already complained about, well, how come they haven't done this for Torkelson or Riley Green? Who knows? Skyers might be doing that right now. But I think a Detroit Tigers fan wants to know on a chat, who do you think is up next? It's hard to say, you know, but I, I would like to think that in, in based off what Barrett, uh, Barnett here said, if they can continue to see improvement with such Turkelson, then great. And yeah, it's just, it, it I mean, I'm showing the Keith high, every home run. He had 27 home runs last year. Let's go over to slash line for a moment, folks. This is what's impressive about Cole Keith, his numbers alone. And I, I, I just didn't want to do just on my article for MCB. I just didn't want to go into batting average and just go into those things. I wanted to look at hard hit contact rate. He was above league ad- average in AAA last year. AAA average for the International League was 36%. He hit at a 40% clip. He had a six for six game, something that has never been done. This was when he was at Erie. WRC plus of 163. 
I might be losing some folks because I'm putting out some advanced stuff out there, but it's okay. He was an on-base percentage machine. And just looking at his, just him, I mean, he just, there was balls he would hit in terms of over 100 miles per hour, hard hit contact rate. There was exit velocity just screaming out there all before the age of 22. He was hitting at an advanced level early on. He was able to make adjustments. And yeah, Cameron and Cameron mentioned, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's I wasn't sure about Torkelson being a Scott Boris guy, but yeah, that does play into that factor too, because Scott Boris usually wants his players to go and seek free agency. And so that is something that is a thing. Um see if Chris can join me now. But uh Okay, sorry about that. Like I said, live show just came in on there. So the biggest thing about Cole Keith too is the when I was mentioning just now is the adjustments. When he struggles for a little bit, all of a sudden he figures it out. And for example, when he first got up to AAA, teams were throwing him high and inside. What does he do? Finds a, finds a way to elevate his swing and get those high and in pitches. And so he's got a great eye at the plate. And one of the things that the, – the big question, third or second base? Well, if you look at the last month or so, last month and a half in Toledo, he played exclusively second base. Not to say that he doesn't have the arm range for third, but he might be better suited at second base. We won't know for sure until spring training camp happens. Maybe they put him at third. But as Nate mentioned, yes, he did have an elbow injury. And Chris is Chris Brown has been very adamant about this, and he's and it's true. His arm, the way he throws from first from third to first, looks slightly different. And it was something he worked on. We talked to him last year, and you can find the interview on uh, the Tiger Minor Reports YouTube page. He worked down in Trammell to get better in the infield, but perhaps the Tigers see his future at second base. As far as Space Facts wants to know, does this mean he's a lock to be on the opening roster? I would assume so, but you know, you say you make an ass, you can assume or whatever the term is. Uh, if you make an, if you make assumptions, you make out of ass of you and me, or however that term goes. But I don't see why not. I really don't. Um, but yeah, Chris has flag football dues at the moment. He is a coach, coaches his son. So, but he'll probably be, like I said, We'll get some more from him. So, uh, Tigers terminal wanted me to r- remind everybody that um, Fangrass updated their Tigers lineup with Keith at second. So, there we go. That's a, that's an indication of things to come. But Keith, fifth round draft pick for the Tigers in twenty in the shortened twenty twenty season, and got off to a really, really good start. I mean, as far as Tiger prospects go. High school wise, the Tigers have had a mixed bag over the last over the last decade. I mean, you talk about you talk about the Castellanos, Riley Green, and um, I really think that this is the the Tigers have been able to identify something with Keith, and were able to capitalize on it. And Cameron mentioned here that. 
this was a good point here by Cameron here about his hitting ability. And it sounds like McGonagall because he doesn't think that anyone saw 31 home power from Keith coming out of the draft. And it's correct. I mean, Keith bulked up, then he slimmed down a little bit, and it made him a much better hitter. At least I think. I mean, he's always been a good hitter. It's not that this is a guy who, in his time last year, he had, he had three, again, 306 between double A and triple A. So for his minor league career, he's a career, just at a career 300 hitter. And so you can't really, this is something that, again, I, I'm excited because uh, Avila did draft this guy. Yes, that is correct. Um, as far as Keith and Jason asked a really good question. Keith stacks up with Torque and Green as a pure heating prospect. Riley Green hit really well in the average, hit well in the minors at each level. But Keith was slight. I mean, there, it's like neck and neck. I think Keith was slightly above him a little bit in terms of hitting for power consistently and hitting for average consistently. Not to say Riley Green was not good. Riley Green represents a rare thing as well because he was doing quite a bit for his age. We haven't seen in years from the Tiger Storm system. Spencer Torkelson, there was adjustments every level, but I would put Keith and Green, the one and one A, and Torkelson right there. Because Torkelson's a rep, different kind of hitter than those two are, at least in my opinion. And so I think Keith's ability to barrel up the ball and draw walks. You saw his, his quality at bats. He wasn't, like I said, he never got really cheated, but it was the way he came back from injury, too. I mean, he came back with a vengeance. He played in the Arizona Fall League last year and was able to recover pretty well. And we've, we we had a, we have him, in, he's our number one prospect for a reason, but he's also the fact that he was our, one of the best hitters. I mean, he also, something else worth mentioning, he also was a guy who was, had the minor league game of the year for a six for six performance. And I mentioned that earlier, um, but that's worth mentioning again. And so let me give you an example of how far Keith has come. We're going to share here with you a video that we did a few years back, and I'm going to give props to Chris on this, put this together. And this is him really, this is him during the, I believe the, Yep, this is the All Star High School All Star Game in Cleveland in 2019. So this is him. You can kind of see the evolution of Keith as a hitter from here. And so it, again, and this is I'll, you know I'm gonna pull up the prop, prospect report here, and what we have said about Keith. And so to put it together a little bit. Get some, perhaps get a little more contacts with it. Again, thank you for tuning in. An impromptu show by myself. Throwing it out there. And this was a prospect report that Chris did last in February of last year. So his we have a hit level. We have a hit tool at 60. This is a little bit of Keith pitching too, by the way. Out of high school, when the Tigers drafted him, he was drafted both as a pitcher and an infielder. So get up to mid nineties, I believe with his fastball. So this is prior to elbow surgery as well. And this is what Chris said, quote, level plane, level swing plane stays in the zone for a long time, produces consistent hard contact, to all fields, ideal mix of aggression and plate discipline. 
attacking pitches in the zone while falling off borderline offerings and rarely chasing out of the zone. Handles premium velocity well. Only real weakness is a tendency to open up early and bail out against left-handed breaking balls. So I'm going to post this to the report right here. So, and you got to have a decent infield heading into the into the season too as well. And Detroit Sports wants to know, has this ever happened, extending a player before they played in the majors? Seems like a big investment for a player yet to be yet to be playing the majors. Detroit Sports, the Tigers have never done this. The Tigers have never done something like this. And if you look at the value of it, I think they're smart to do it now versus later. And the kind of money that Detroit spend based off the money that's come off the books, I think this is a good idea. You're basically getting a player before his costs will potentially can go up and allows Detroit to still be competitive and add pieces later. So that's my opinion about that. And I think this is a good value here. Yeah. Here's some more Keith pitching. So it's, I don't know. It's a rare sight to see, but you can find a lot of a cold Keith content on our YouTube page, Tigers minor report. So thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate it. And yeah. So I keep saying, and, and, but I'm also a little nervous because I'll often go solo, but yeah. So the reports right there. If you want to check it out on our chat, all the great content over at TigersMLReport.com for more Colt Key stuff. But this is, I mean, I was referred to the Jackson Cheerio deal that the Brewers did earlier this offseason, and he hasn't played a, a day in the major leagues yet, but they, the, the Brewers are very excited about its ability, rightfully so. And Tiger fans should be excited about this. Colt Keith represents a new way of thinking for Detroit. And I know I'm not trying to sound very slappy about this, but this is, to me, this is different than what we're used to seeing from the from the Tigers. And and Troy mentions here, the Braves have done this and the Rays too. Good point here, Troy. This is definitely smart. This is what the Rays did. Absolutely. The Braves have locked in players in for a while. They did this with, I believe, Ronald Acuna. I believe. I have to double check that. But, yeah. And uh, and Jason, that's a good – Jason put some money value out there. It's a great risk. You're only committing $28 million to him with the club options on the rest. There's no risk. Absolutely correct. And it allows you to have the ability to have flexibility should Detroit decide to add some future future pieces. So, Alex, the, the, with the great question here, who's your number one prospect now, assuming that Keith graduates from prospect status? It's going to probably be Jackson Job. Early on, we all, we all have to discuss it between myself, Jerry, Colin, and Chris. So... But yeah, I, I that's a good good comparison. Tigers turmoil or turmoil turmoil turmoil. Similar deal with the Mariners with Evan White, but a completely different player. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, but Alex, I'm going to give either it's either Max Clark or Jackson Job. So it, it really depends on what way we decide. To, it it it's always voted between the. Um, between the two. And by the way, the Erie Seawolves are doing 50% off, buy one, get one 50% off shirts. So if you want to get a Cole Keith Erie Seawolves shirt, go to the seawolves.com website. I got to plug that because the Seawolves always hook us up with merch and it's only fair. So I'm sure if you, uh, 
want to get a white caps shirt of his as well. I'm sure there's something out there for that. But yeah, so go to the Motor City. I'm also writing the prospect list over for Motor City Bengals this year. So this is a week to kick off content, a lot of content for myself. I'm still trying to figure out how to get to Lakeland. If you want to help us, there's a GoFundMe link on our Twitter. I can share here as well. And everything goes towards what we pay for the cost for traveling, hotel rooms, you name it, those kind of things that help us out. And this is a this is a big day. And you know what? For once, Detroit's in the national spotlight. And of course, obviously the story today is the Lions. No doubt. Let's not kid ourselves here. But it is great to see both more than one franchise get the headlines on a Sunday. On a well, depending on where you live, it's a gray, snowy day here where I live. Because it has been some, maybe some, maybe like five minutes in the last three weeks. It's depressing. It's really depressing. But anyway, not today. No, the Lions are going to San Francisco or Santa Clara to be technical for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It's the second time I've witnessed something like that. And the Tigers witness are doing something else historical. They've never done this before. And it's how much they support the, the, their, their, their belief in Cole Keefe. And Barrett wants me to give him a go, a go, good go line. So <clears throat> go Lions. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, apologies for anybody that, tuned out right after that but um no it's it's a good day for the tiger fans good day for lions fans and get back to celebrating enjoy your sunday this is a quick 20 minute pod i'm rohelly castillo of course you can find me on twitter at rogcast baseball follow the mcb or follow mc mcb tigers at twitter motor city Bengals. also the motor city metrics podcast too on twitter as well because i think a lot of people are tuning in that way or the tiger Miley report and um, honestly, there's so many ways to consumer content. We really appreciate all support. And once I get Chris and Newport together, I'm sure we'll get something out there. But the Thursday's pile will be dropping in addition to this on top of it. So, or after it, it was just you and myself. So enjoy your rest of your Sunday. Go Lions. And again, congratulations to Cole Keith, who who's definitely earned this and secured himself a future with the Detroit Tigers and possibly an opening day spot on Comerica opening day roster, more than likely. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good, good afternoon, everybody.